First real no-hitter in Major League Baseball happened two nights ago. Reed Detmers, the uh, LA Angels, no-hit the Tampa Bay Rays in a 12-0 game in which Anthony Rendon hit a home run left-handed. Brett <laughs> Phillips was the pitcher when that happened, uh, and Noah Syndergaard subtweeted his former team. That was awesome. It was full of drama. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, just baseball show Thursday, May 12th. Quick thing before we get going. The only division without multiple teams with a positive run differential is the only division with two teams without a positive run differential so there every division except one has at least two teams with a positive run differential there's only one division that only has one team with a positive run differential what division is that going to be one of the centrals and i'm gonna go with the NL Central. So the NL Central, Milwaukee and St. Louis are both in the green. The only division in baseball that doesn't have multiple teams with a positive run differential, the AL East. Wow. Wow. And that has to do a lot with these Blue Jays. I, I mean, the Blue Jays in the positive, right? Blue Jays are in the negative. The Yankees have the best run differential in baseball at the moment. Uh, second best, best in the American League. Dodgers have a plus 80 run differential. Yankees are plus 50. Tampa's minus five. Toronto's minus 11. Baltimore okay. minus 14. Boston minus 18. Because the Rays just got pieced by the Angels. Not only did they lose through the no-hitter 12-0, to but they also lost 11-3 to the other day. And I actually, Jack, do you know that I was on Rays Moneyline that night? Yeah, I know. I think that was the single worst bet I've ever made in my entire life when you think about it, because not only was I so incorrect just by the final score of 12 to zero, but I said pretty clearly, wow, the Rays can really hit left-handed pitching. Not only did they not hit left-handed pitching, they got no hit by a rookie. He's not really a rookie because he we saw him a little bit last year, but it was an incredible game, just the opposite of what I needed, but otherworldly incredible performance by Reed Detmers. Yeah. So Reed Detmers, I've known for a little bit. It was um, summer of 2018. I was out in the Cape. Um, I was calling games for the Brewster Whitecaps. And after his freshman year at Louisville, Reed Detmers spent the summer with the Brewster Whitecaps. So I got to know Reed pretty well out there, had some good conversations out there. And then as soon as COVID hit, like March, April of uh, 2020, me and a friend of mine, Tommy Weber, who is um, an associate professor at St. John's at the moment. He was the bench coach for Brewster, and he still trains a bunch of guys in New York, New Jersey. We launched this prospect podcast where we talked to some of the recent draftees, and it was a shoe-in that we go and grab Reed Detmers. So I unearthed that. We did that interview about two weeks after he got drafted 10th overall. Um, and I'm going to give you that 20 to 25 minute interview at the end of this episode, because it's, it's pretty fucking fun to go back and in hindsight, 
hear this guy's pitching philosophy and how that draft went for him and, and how he has developed as a pitcher with that pitch mix, because Reed Detmers was not a guy that you circled and said, this guy could throw a no hitter tonight. I mean, he has been hit relatively hard yeah. in the early no going strikeouts. Of the season. He had yeah. three walks or no, he had two walks or three walks in the no hitter game, but I think he had almost as many walks as strikeouts, but, but his command was impeccable yesterday. And, and that's really where he makes his money on the command. But he, we're talking about Reed Detmer's development since 2020. How about your development as a podcast host? How I sound do you think so weird. Dude, <laughs> I sound so weird in that. Like my voice is way higher. Uh, my questions are not as pointed. It's, it's very interesting, but final line on Reed Detmer's in the no hitter. Um, it was a 12-0 win for Anaheim over the Rays. Detmers, obviously, nine innings, no hits, no runs. Two punch-outs, one walk. Throw mm. 108 pitches, 68 for strikes. Two strikeouts and one walk in a no-hitter. That kind of sounds crazy. like an Edwin Jackson no-hitter. But a no-hitter regardless. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but no, I mean, th- this guy has impeccable command. And something that we get into is his ability to utilize three speeds with the fastball, mm-hmm. the changeup, and the curveball. And if you saw the final out clipped and put out on social media, it was that big curveball. And um, I, I don't remember if I brought this up with him or not, but just a quick story before we launch into some other things. Dan McDonald is the head coach of Louisville baseball, uh, one of the best college head coaches in the country. And I ran into Dan McDonald in Chatham, Massachusetts, when Reed was starting that night on the summer of 2018. And this was after Reed was like their midweek guy, like he was starting Tuesday, Wednesday games, but you knew he was going to be in the rotation. And, and this was a guy that could be a draft pick for him who, who knew that he was going to go 10th overall. Um, but, you know, I, I asked him, I said, listen, this guy is from like outside of Springfield, Illinois. Like it's not often that you get up there and go see a guy that shoves what as the head coach of the university of Louisville propelled you to go to middle of nowhere, Illinois and find this guy, Reed Detmers. And I was expecting something, you know, fluffy, like, well, we thought his command was impeccable and he dazzled his showcases and stuff. He cracked this huge smile and just said, curveball, Mm. curveball. That's why I wanted him. And I was like, oh, that's a good answer there. And you saw it on full display. I have something to throw at you. Watching him last night, the curveball looks a lot like Julio Arias' curveball. Big and loopy, the way he can locate it. That's that's just... I test, it looked very similar. The shape of it, how he was locating it, that's what it looked like to me. Okay, so you know what it looks like? It looks like, you know, Kershaw's, right? It looks like Liberators, where you have that big, slow curveball that has a ton of vertical movement, and it's as close to a true 12-6 curveball as you got without being Adam Wainwright's. And it doesn't have the bite of Wainos because that's what made Waino elite. Um, but Clayton Kershaw, that curveball's not, it, that has never been his best pitch. It was just his most pretty pitch. Detmers has that as a good pitch. You know what I mean? Like the slider and the changeup and the fastball have all been better than the curveball for Clayton Kershaw throughout the entirety of his career. It's just the most aesthetically pleasing pitch to watch. So I I think that's what you're getting at. Kershaw Mm -hmm. has it. Urias has it. Matthew Liberatore has it in the Cardinals system. And Reed Detmers has it. And he used it to throw a no hitter. Kind of, kind of phenomenal. Should we talk about the fact that the Yankees walked it off against the Blue Jays last night? actually two nights ago now that we're recording on Wednesday to be released on Thursday. And they're currently playing the blue Jays right now. This is one of the best series of the year so far. Yeah. So I, I texted you about this and I was thinking like, if anything comes close in the early goings of this year to the fanfare that we got for Dodgers Padres last year. And Arm and I talked about that on Monday, right? That was, um, you know, Jeff Passan wrote a whole article about that. This feels like the series. It's not Dodgers Padres again. It's not Dodgers giants. I mean, 
not even like Mets, whoever it, it's Yankees, Blue Jays. That's what that feel is. And I think a lot of that has to do with the success that the Yankees have had in the early goings. It's incredible. And we talked about, you know, the negative run differentials. Maybe the Blue Jays have a negative 11 right now, but the Blue Jays are still one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah. And the fact that it's so closely fought between these two teams and Aaron Judge, that was his first walk-off hit. Did you know that, Jack? First walk-off hit came to the year, came to the league in 2017. That was his first 450-foot jack, 112 miles an hour off the bat. It was one of the biggest win probability added hits of the season because they were down two, two outs, Aaron Judge. Bang. I don't actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if it was two outs exactly, but I know because Trevino, no, it was one out because Trevino walked, then LeMayhew got on, and then Judge, that's one out. I was watching every second and I was just, and now they're playing right now. It's, it's one of the most entertaining, and it's not just due to the Yankees, it's two teams that will see each other in the playoffs because the Rays are great and they're probably going to make the wild card too, but I'm, I'm really, it's it's Yankees and Blue Jays at the top of this division. Yeah, as we record now, it's 5-2 New York in the top of the seventh inning. Glaber Torres had a three-run homer that just cleared the short porch and right. And Why'd I mean, you have to say that? Don't they, I hate hey. that. That's that's my least favorite thing about all of baseball is the fact that people make fun of the Yankee short porch. It's like both teams are playing at the same stadium. There's other stadiums across the across baseball that are even smaller it's just that short porch yankees know how to get to it and you can play at it too i that's so annoying it's so okay but they play 81 games there every year where other teams play like max 18 that's true what about the red sox at fenway hitting doubles off off the green monster that's fine that's fine park factor but you bring up park factor right with the rockies you always put an asterisk on their guys individual accolades because thin air right so you can listen that was a homer in seven of 30 major league ballparks i'm just stating a fact here so six other ballparks it's gone fair all right but seven of 30 major league ballparks they're up five two right now um, and this is the type of series that can warrant Vladimir Guerrero Jr. snapping a bat over his knee on a Wednesday afternoon. Really? Not many That's series can do that. In a day game, snapping it over his leg in a day game. On That's a Wednesday, not even a series. Sunday. It's a Wednesday. That's another good point. A Wednesday day game. And that's how fired up because this feels like those classic Yankee Red Sox rivalries. As the, as the Red Sox have started to tail off a little bit, the Blue Jays are really taking full throttle of this. And now this is really the... And you can tell these two teams have animosity with Charlie Montoyo getting thrown out of the game yesterday because um, they went up and in on Bo Bichette on accident. It was Jonathan Lewisko. It was It looked to me clearly on accident, yeah. but I don't. And then the manager's getting thrown out. It's just a heated, heated series. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. And like you can circle the starting pitching matchups as well. Like you say, Kikuchi had some intrigue there. And, and earlier today, um, who was it? Was it Tyone and, and Barrios? Like, that's Barrios. a very fun matchup. And Barrios look good until that Glaber home run. But that's the thing, Barrios, right now. That's what could keep the Blue Jays from being incredibly elite. Because at the beginning of the season, we're looking at Barrios as one of the better pitchers in the American League. But he hasn't been performing like that. So now with Yusei Kikuchi, you know, he's hit or miss. And Ryu's still on the shelf. And, you know, Pearson doesn't look like he's going to make a big impact in the rotation this year. Maybe he does, maybe at the end of the year, but at least not right now. That's the only trouble with the Blue Jays right now because Jordan Romano gave up that home run, but I, I have full faith that he's still an elite yeah. closer. That was just, that happened to be a blow up game from a guy like Aaron judge when he didn't have his best stuff that day, but he's still elite. Yeah. You need a third. You, you need absolutely a third. need a third. And, and Gosman is, is yeah. yeah. Gosman's best pitcher in baseball right now. Manoa is one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. You need Barrios to show up. 
You, you need don't even Barrios need him to, to be Max Barrios. You need him to be 70% of Barrios. And right now he's not even sniffing 70%. Right now he's like 25% of Jose yeah. Barrios. I'm so with you. That's, that's why the Yankees are ahead in this division because they're firing on all cylinders. The rotation, if we're talking about a three, Garrett Cole's still at the front. He's been pitching well. Tyon has, has looked good. Jordan Montgomery has an ERA below three. Nestor Cortez is... You say Kevin Gosman is the best pitcher in baseball? This or Cortez might be the best pitcher in baseball, really. And then when we're talking bullpens, the Yankees have a better bullpen. And when the Yankees' offense is hot, it can toy around with the Blue Jays. Right now, on paper, I test by the numbers, Yankees are the best team in baseball with the Dodgers. With the Dodgers. Uh, and with Ryan Pepio just made his MLB debut yesterday. Pepio, the uh, Indianapolis native and the Butler University alum. Pepio was, was pretty solid. Went three innings, one hit. No runs. He did walk five, gross, yeah. but he struck out three, and the changeup looked really good. Watching his start, you see ace stuff, but then you see five command. The, the command was just wasn't there today. He, the changeup moves like nobody's business, just around the zone. It's diving out of the box from lefty. I mean, they're just flailing at it. Major league pitchers against a rookie pitcher on the road. You could tell they couldn't touch if he just threw it in the zone. That's the thing with Ryan Pepe. Once he figures out how to command within the strike zone, this guy has ace potential. He's 95 to 96 with one of the best changeups right now in base. That changeup is unfreaking believable. Do you really think ace? Ace stuff. I think I think he's a really good middle of the rotation guy. Hmm. If it all pans out. What I saw today, what I saw today looked like ace stuff. If he could just command that within his own, and that's that's not a given too, because he's had command issues in the minor leagues, and now he showed in his first start five walks. Do I think he's going to become an ace? No. But when I see the stuff. Yeah. It looks like a stuff to me. Uh-huh. Okay. I can hear you on that. What I was really impressed by him was um, his ability to, to put out fires. So, <laughs> you know, in the early goings, I think it was the second inning, might have been the third inning. Um, but Pepio loaded the bases. Again, command issues. But then he buckled down and struck out Brian Reynolds with the bases loaded. That's big from a guy in his major league debut. And gr- granted, mm-hmm. you know, you're in Pittsburgh, you're playing the Pirates on a Wednesday afternoon. It's not that high leverage, but it is high leverage in your major league debut. It does not matter if you're facing the Pirates on a Wednesday afternoon or you're at Yankee Stadium on Friday night. I mean, we're also talking about, you know, I I love to fade rookie pitchers on the road. Like when when I make my LB best bets, that's like one of my favorite things. So, and you say it's the Pirates and I know, but on the road on your first start, I don't care who it is. Those are big league hitters. That's Brian Reynolds perennial all-star like that's a real at bat and the fact that he got him just like that and it's not it's also jack it's not that he's just getting these guys out making major league batters look silly as a rookie on the road in your first start yeah that's what caught my eye and it only went three uh we'll see him get stretched out a little bit more if he stays up um Mm -hmm. but we will see what the dodgers plan is there but going to the other la team again before we get to that detmers interview Anthony Rendon, again, Brent <laughs> Phillips on the mound. Anthony Rendon switched to hit left-handed. This guy has never hit left-handed before in any you know professional or college baseball game ever, and he hit a home run. I don't think people understand how stupidly athletic that is. Yeah, someone responded to me on Twitter, too, when I tweeted that out. It's like as if we needed another reminder to how elite some of these big league batters are. I know Brett Phillips is throwing 85 or 85, 55 miles yes. an hour down the middle, like barely just chucking it in there. 
But to have the stones to do that, also, who let him do that? I know it was down, but Anthony Renault said, I can go up lefty right now. I've seen some guys do that before. Um, like, like I, once I've every seen, couple of years, though. Yeah. So that was that, you know, type of thing. And True. Rendon, I think he was just dicking around. Like, listen, Anthony Rendon already got his payday. He doesn't need the home run to boost like arbitration. <laughs> numbers. He doesn't care anymore. No, he doesn't so care. True. Why? Well, I mean, you're up 11 0, like, might as well hit lefty. And then you just showed it. it's like, maybe I can do it again. Now, now he's just having fun. That's the thing. So, like, when Williams Astudio was on the mound last year and your mean Mercedes swung 3 0 and hit that home run, like, that I'm actually still matters. That matters for your mean Mercedes because he can say, I hit 20 home runs this year instead of 19 when he goes to his arbitration hearing. For Rendon, he already robbed the Angels of all their worth. He does not need to prove anything. He doesn't need to up the home run total by one. So he just flipped around. He was having a good time. And he just proved that he is just another superhuman professional athlete. I'm just glad that it seems like it really is the Angels year. I'm not saying that they're, you know, a shoe in to win the division or anything. But, you know, I've just been preaching, if not now, when? And it's apparently now because the rotation has looked great. The offense is so loaded. With Taylor Ward hitting the way it is, this is one of the most lethal lineups in the game. And the bullpen has been fine-ish, but they have a lot of talented arms back there. You know, we we got to give Aaron Loop some credit now because this is yeah. now like a couple seasons in a row where he's rocking an ERA in the ones. He's one of the best left-handed relievers in baseball. At least he's pitching like it, and he has been since the beginning of 2021. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I'm telling you, man, Perry Manassian did everything right with the Angels this offseason. Really did. Killed it. And the Angels are now back. And it's just so fun watching Trout, watching Shohei Otani. It's such a fun team to enjoy. Finally, they're in the limelight instead of we're just watching a Shohei Otani lineup with a bunch of garbage sprinkled in the middle of it. Now it's Trout. It's Jared Walsh. And it's just the crew. And they look great. And that's the thing. Like, they can option a struggling Joe Adele down because they just have better players now. We talked about it on yesterday's Just Baseball show. It was Arm and I, and we said that the Angels should possibly look at trading Joe Adele for maybe in a bigger package for Luis Castillo or, or try and get Tyler Malley from them. Yeah, I think I'd prefer think Castillo. It. Joe Adele could be just a change of scenery away from unlocking that you know elite profile that he has of a four or five tool guy. Maybe he just needs to get out of Los Angeles and you get Tyler Malley out of Great American Ballpark. That's, that's only going to do well for him. So I, I'm actually thinking Castillo because Castillo looked really good in his first regular season start. And I saw him in his last rehab appearance and he looked really good there as well. I think it might um, take more than Adele though, to get Luis Castillo. That's fine. I think Adele is the headliner still gets it done, especially because Castillo, I think this is the final year or maybe he has one more, one year. more year of control, one more year of control. Okay. You guys went over that yesterday, but mm-hmm. how about that? Joe Adele is from Louisville, Kentucky. That's about an hour, hour and a half from Cincinnati. That would be perfect for him if Adele went to Cincinnati uh, and they got Luis Castillo back. And the Angels have enough organizational fillers to make that deal get done without relinquishing any other impact guys aside from Adele. So I like that. Adele to Cincinnati is the headliner for a Luis Castillo package. Not too bad. We're getting the mock trades going at on May 12th. Yeah, uh, it's a little go. early, but we, we did them yesterday, too. So technically, we started on May 11th. Well, and Cincinnati's beating the shit out of uh, Milwaukee right now on YouTube Live. Are they starting to get going? No. Really? Will we put the witness like a, a no. two-game win streak? Two-game oh. win streak? Maybe. Yeah, they're going streaking. All right, think about this. 
I have a hypothetical for it, or not a hypothetical, just a straight up question. Over under three and a half games, longest win streak for the Reds this year. Over. Okay. Over. So you think they win four or five in a row? Dude, it's really hard not to win four or five in a row at in an 162 game season. It's very hard not to do that. That's a sweep and then another game. They might do it. They might do it. Might <laughs> I'd, do I'd it. be interested to see how that, uh, how that ends Listen, up. Listen, if they run into Stroman, Hendricks, Justin Steele, they could sweep that series. They're not beating Justin Steele. The Reds can't hit a lefty to save their life. Damn, That's the thing. Okay. They're going to run into a lefty. They'll lose. <laughs> I don't know. I got I to gotta think about the scenario. You're going to face a lefty every four days, more uh, likely than not. We just got to Adrian Hauser, though, who's a right-handed, but, but good, <laughs> like actually has talent. But it has bad numbers against the Reds historically. Uh, you tough. know Colin Moran is like nine for 15 off Adrian Hauser in his career? That's Colin Moran is, is sick. It's funny. I look at all the stats in the morning, just like hitter versus pitcher stats every morning. Colin Moran has great stats off everybody. It's crazy. He does. But, he's, he's but he doesn't have great stats as collective. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand. It's been the past like five or six days. Who's at the top of the Reds leaderboard? Oh, Colin Rand, six for nine, or he's six for 12, or he's five for 10. He's just hitting 500 off all these pitchers. I'm like, where are the hits? Where? Are... I missed them. I totally Amen. missed them. Amen. Hitters went 0 for 27 against Reed Detmers. Um, and, and we're going to get to this interview now. Again, this was like two weeks after he got drafted 10th overall in 2020. It's me and Tommy Weber, who is an associate professor at St. John's. Um, he was the bench coach for the Cape League team that Reid was that Reid was on that that I called, um, and he trains a bunch of guys in the New York, New Jersey area. He's got a bunch of pro and college guys as well. So we sat down, we picked his brain, um, and I think you're going to get a really solid glimpse into who exactly Reid Detmers is as a pitcher and how he no hit the Tampa Bay Rays two nights ago. All right, Reed Detmers is our guest today from uh, Springfield, Illinois to Louisville, Kentucky, and sooner rather than later to Anaheim, California. Uh, Reed, approximately what number interview are we um, that you've had over this like two week span? Because I'm sure it's been freaking crazy. Yeah, it's been a busy uh, couple weeks. Um, I, would, I would say probably around 25, 30, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty busy, but it's it's something I enjoy. Uh, it's, it means I'm doing something good and uh, people want to hear my story. So Reed, I have a question for you. First of all, uh, obviously, congratulations. Um, it was no secret when you were out in the Cape in 2018, we were together, that you had great equipment. Um, and people ask me a lot, you know, what did you see in a certain kid? And one of the things I saw about you was you were really, everybody's serious, but you seem to have a certain focus, I think, born of a very, very high pitcher IQ. And I, I know your story, so I'm sort of burying the lead here, but I know your story, and I'd like you to kind of take us along on how you get to be a freshman, sophomore at Louisville and be so advanced with your acumen on the mound. Uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit of that is just my personality, um, just kind of knowing the background, um, and also from my, my dad. Um, he helped me. Uh, he taught me the game growing up. Um, he's been with me the whole way. So I give a lot of credit to him just because he taught me about the game, how to pitch, what to think in different situations, stuff like that. So, yeah, when I got to 
uh, here in Louisville my freshman year, I was probably a little bit more advanced. Um, so I kind of just kind of took that and ran with it. Um, and then once I got to be on like kind of by, my, by myself um, in the Cape League and then uh, Team USA and stuff like that, I could really use it. Uh, just learning from other people, talking to coaches, and really just trusting my ability and learning from everybody else. Tommy just mentioned it real quick and that he, you kind of took those steps that a lot of guys weren't taking, especially when you were on your own, right? Out on the Cape, you don't have guys that, you know, will set up the multiple cameras for your bullpen session on a day you're not throwing. But I remember talking to Chip Dill, who was the pitching coach in Brewster at the time. And, um, you know, I just asked him kind of an overarching question, like, you know, is there anybody that you see that kind of goes the extra mile? And right away, he said, Reed Detmers is the guy that goes the extra mile. And you film every single bullpen you throw. You still do that? And when did you start doing that? Um, so I really only film bullpens uh, when I start, like, trying to work on things. Um, leading in or going into the freshman summer, uh, I knew I had to work on a lot of stuff. So that was, like, my main goal. Um, I wasn't trying to do anything cool on the mound or anything like that. I was just trying to get better. Um, so that's really, I started filming my uh, bullpens probably junior, senior year of high school, and then just kind of worked on different things, um, seeing different uh, arm slots and stuff like that. Um, but really, what I was trying to do in the Cape uh, with Chip, really just trying to ride the slope and stuff like that. And he, he was amazing. Uh, he, was, he was there. He was, he was always a phone call away. He would meet me at the field early in the morning. Uh, just work on random stuff. We would do drills together, do video. He would give me his input. So that really helped. Um, but yeah, I, I love taking video. I think that helps a lot. So to sort of dovetail on the video thing, how is it that a guy who grows up in an age where everybody's addicted to technology and we, we could we could do the pros and cons all we want, but the reality is that pitchers now are almost addicted to this kind of stuff. And you sort of are your own guy. And I see you in a lot of interviews and a lot of your quotes saying, my job is to get hitters out, keep them off balance, and have great fastball command. Well, that's about as old school as it could possibly get. I subscribe to that theory. I think in, at the end of the day, if you can't command your fastball, you can't pitch. Um, how, how do you sort of avoid being swept up in this tsunami of technology? Yeah, I get asked that all the time. Um, for me, it's just kind of my mindset. Um, it was instilled in me at an early age by my by my dad. Um, so when I, obviously, everybody wants to throw hard, but you have to know who you are and what you can do. Um, obviously, I know I'm not, gonna to, I'm not gonna be the guy that goes out there lighting up radar guns. I, so for me, my focus is, locating all my pitches, throwing uh, the fastball, inner half, outer half, up and down, kind of wherever I want it to, just to keep the hitters off balance. And then throwing the change of or breaking ball just to change their eyesights and like that. So for me, it's really being a pitcher, not a thrower. Um, that's kind of what I stick by. And yeah, all that technology stuff, that's, that's good. Um, it shows a lot of great things. Um, but for me, I see how I can pitch live like to actual like batters like off their off the results um, i don't really need to see any uh numbers that show me spin rate and stuff um so that's kind of my mindset that's kind of how i go about it um and yeah i, I don't really get caught up in all that stuff um for me it's just getting the results that i want 
So then you would, if you were, let's say, coaching younger pitchers, aspiring pitchers, what you, would you say that you're a guy who would recommend to them that you have to be true to yourself first? If it works for you, it's fine. But if it doesn't, you've got to be able to avoid it as well because at the end of the day, it's about results. Yes, 100%. You have to know who you are. Um, you can't be somebody that you, you aren't. Like, it's just it's hard to pitch that, that way. Um, so just go out there, be yourself, and just at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is getting out. So the easiest way for you to get out, so that's what you should stick to. I asked uh, your head coach at Louisville and then with Team USA, Dan McDonald, a question. When he was out on the Cape, he was making his, his Louisville circle, right, because you had guys all over the Cape. And he was in Chatham watching you start a game. And I just asked him a couple of questions about you. And I was like, listen, I mean, he's from, you know, not too far from Louisville, but still small town. Uh, what was so attractive about Reed Detmers, the pitcher? And I was expecting this, you know, deep analytical answer from him, right? Like, oh, well, he gets ahead of hitters so effectively. He, um, you know, he dominated in high school and he just said curveball. He smiled and said one word and it was curveball. And I was like, that's pretty old school from him too. But that is the pitch that everybody ooze and ahs over with you. So when did that curveball develop for you? And then were there kind of stages? Like, how did you see it morph from when you first started throwing it to now? Yeah, I didn't start throwing my curveball until freshman year of high school. Um, I was all fastball change up until then. Um, but obviously, the, when I was younger, um, it's, I had, I, I've always had good feel for it um, and could throw for a strike and I had that same shape. But as once I got older, a little bit stronger, started to develop a little bit more. So uh, in high school, it was a little bit loopy, not really that sharp, and just probably a little above average. And then once I stepped on campus, started to get a little stronger, um, started to get a little advanced. Um, it, it took a huge step. Um, and yeah, it, uh, that's one of my favorite pitches. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's really all I can say about it. Hey, Reed, I have a question that um, I think a lot of people could benefit from hearing what your perspective is on, on this. In the advent of the obsession with velocity and, and velocity being everything, do you think that that has reduced the amount of guys who are able to throw that, you know, 12 classic 12 to six curveball that you have. I mean, you have that Clayton Kershaw kind of curveball that works from up to down, where there are now so many more sinker slider pitchers that guys like yourself are really unique. And that gives you a very, very big advantage because you're throwing a pitch that very few guys bother to throw anymore. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would, I would say so. Um... Everybody nowadays, like I said, is trying to throw, like you said, um, is trying to throw hard. Everything they throw is hard. It's hard, 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 whatever pitch it is. Um, I, I believe, like, if you have a fastball, whatever, whatever it may be, and then have something different that's 10 miles an hour slower, and then another pitch that's 20 miles an hour slower, they're just guessing all day long. So it keeps everybody off balance. Um, but, yeah, I would say – it is different to, to see pitchers throw the, the fastball, curveball, 12-6 curveball nowadays because uh, everybody's really trying to throw that 85-mile-an-hour uh, slider or cutters, anything like that. So, yeah, I would say it's definitely changed a lot. 
you grew up in a place where, uh, I mean, you had good curveballs and, you know, pinpoint lefties, just your pick of the litter, right? And you grew up in Springfield, so you had Wainwright to look at with his 12-6. And then, you know, if you go upstate to Chicago, I mean, you, you were growing up with Mark Burley, Jose Quintana, John Lester, too, uh, in the later times. What pitchers were you watching when you were growing up and saying, you know what, like, I really like the way they throw yeah, um, I, so I grew up watching Adam Wainwright, John Lester, Clayton Kershaw. Those were my guys. Um, so I just kind of studied all of them. Um, I took a little bit, not mechanically, just kind of how they pitched, um, how they sequenced pitches, stuff like that. I, I still look at that. I look at that every day um, just to learn learn the game, see how they improve. Um, I really like looking at Kershaw and Lester just because they're lefties. They used to throw in the like, mid-90s, so they don't really have to – have anything else but now they're in the low 90s so they really have to pitch now and so I, I really find that interesting to see how they keep guys off balance and stuff like that so Jack you know um, those of us who are faint of heart stay in the in the dugout right that's kind of for the guys who are a little soft you got to be a real badass to hang out in the bullpen when you walk down into that bullpen you better have thick skin and you're going to hear stuff and see stuff that you're not allowed to say anything about. And I hear, you know, when I used to venture down there, I would do it very gingerly. But no one gives you a more honest appraisal of other players, our players, and the game at large than the guys in the bullpen. Talk a little bit about that experience when you're not pitching and you're down there with those guys, what it's like. Uh, yeah, it's, it's different. Um, the bullpen is a whole different <laughs> Yeah, it's, there's a little bit of everything in the bullpen, uh, whether it's not even paying attention to the game, just kind of goofing around, or everybody's just talking crap about each other. It's it's really different. Um, you have to you have to have thick skin to sit in there for a whole game. Um, so yeah, it's it's it gets hard sometimes. Reed, you've got some great guys that you've been able to bounce off to and some of your recent bullpens, just kind of seeing the way they throw, things like that. And, you know, at Louisville, Bobby, who was another, you know, Brewster Whitecap with you, but then you had guys like McAveen, and I don't think you crossed over with Zach Birdie, right? Um, but, I mean, you had a ton of other guys, Brian Hoeing and people like that. And then Team USA, too. I mean, you were with Lacey Meyer, name anybody in the first round. They were on Team USA with you. So, seeing the way that a lot of these other guys at the top of the MLB draft threw, what did you kind of pick up over the last couple of years seeing everybody in top flight college baseball and uh, turning yourself into one of those guys? Yeah, I mean, when I watch bullpens, I look at just how they're using their body. Um, I don't really care, like, in bullpens, like, if you're hitting your spots or not. Like, that's, a, just, that's just a time to work on things. So, for me, just using their body – their legs, using their upper half, getting over the front the front uh, leg. So that's kind of really look, what I look at. Um, Bobby does really well with that. Um, Asa Lacey does well with that. And there, there's a lot of guys who do really, uh, really good things. So each person's a little bit different, obviously. So the, every guy looking at something different. I'd like to know how much looking back on your entire now very short career, obviously, which is going to be a long, fruitful career, I'm sure, at the major league level, how much of what you gleaned outside your father, let's say, because he was a constant in your life, obviously, and, and a great influence. How much, what was the percentage of what you learned from other guys as opposed to what you learned from the classic coach? 
I'll, I'll probably say 60-40. Um, I would say 40% coaches and 60 from other people. I love it. I, I love it. I, I agree. I think, I think guys really benefit from interacting with each other as much, if not more, than interacting with a coach. Yeah, I agree. Um, just being able, because you know, like the, the people you're watching, the guys you're playing with, they get everything you're going through. Um, so it's really beneficial just to bounce ideas off them, see what they think, and kind of just interchange ideas. Uh, just learn the game, uh, they do to get better, and just what they look at during the game. So I, I, I find that very beneficial because in college, all the coaches are trying to win. Um, they're going to do whatever possible to win, um, which is a great thing. So, But they're not going to take that extra time just to talk about those little things. So I've, it's really important to learn from other players and learn on yourself, by yourself. Reed, last one for me. Great point. Uh, Reed, I was watching the uh, MLB draft on MLB Network, and you know you went 10th to Anaheim, and they're recapping you, and they toss it over to Al Leiter to talk about you. And then the follow-up question was, this is one of those guys that you think could get to the bigs quick. And Al Leiter said, next year. So say all the stars align, and you, know, you mow through minor league baseball, and you get to Anaheim next year. What's one thing or the main thing that you need to do before you start facing Alex Bregman and before you start facing huge guys in the AL West at the big league level? Uh, for me, I'm not really going to change anything. Um, I just need to get my, my arm in shape, I guess. Um, for me, it's, I, it's just important to whatever I'm doing now, it's, it's worked. Um, so I don't really, like everybody says, like you can gain a couple miles an hour. You can do, you can do something. I firmly believe right now, obviously everybody has work to do, but like what I have right now, I think I, it plays in the big league. So why, why change something when it's working? Um, so for me, just throw bullpens, work on little things, just mechanically or something like that, um, and just get confidence back. Um, since we haven't played in so long, uh, just get confidence back and just go out there and compete. Super, man. You know what? That's, that's the kind of attitude that's going to get you to the big leagues in a hurry. And the reality is that you're an inch away. You're not far away. And um, you've got the kind of mindset that's going to get you that next inch. You don't need another mile. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, you're going to be a big leaguer in a very, very short period of time because you you've got the makeup and you've got the ability. And uh, it's going to be great when you come to New York and you take Neil and I out to dinner. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. You haven't heard it yet at time of recording. Um, so, you know, can you just give me a big umbrella statement? Like, man, that was so good. I love hearing that from Reed. Wow, Jack. I mean, you were saying that your voice was high, but I enjoyed listening to you more. But wow, what an interview with Reed Detmers. You know, good. he was talking about pitching. He was talking about, you know, getting drafted. He was talking about, yep. you know, pitching and being left-handed. Yep. It was an incredible interview. Great work. Wow, that, that, that was really good from you. Awesome. All right, plug all the socials right now. <laughs> Give us a follow on Instagram at just baseball fans and of course, TikTok as well. And if you want to join our baseball group chat, that click the chalkboard link in the episode description. We're talking baseball all day long on that. Also, 
download the Loop app. It helps us out, but it's also going to help you out. You just get twenty free dollars just for clicking the link, and you get twenty bucks to just open packs. And it's I was funny. I was talking on the TikTok live today. I was like, why am I even trying to like sell the Loop app right now? You click on it, and every single person who downloads thinks to themselves. This app is sick. You don't even have to spend money if you don't want to. I just sometimes go in and just watch the yes, breaks because I, I just genuinely enjoy it. And then you also just get $20 for clicking the link and having it on your phone if you so, want to buy cards. I also like the sound of the plastic wrap, the plastic wrap being ripped off the cards. It has made me be more of a card collector in that way. Just like it makes you like cards more. It's a we it's it's just such a fun app as well. Um, download prize picks as well. Use code just baseball uh, for a deposit match on prize picks. You can see that in the episode link description as well. We're rolling, Jack. We're absolutely rolling. I got nothing else to plug except my Twitter at Peter Apple 23. You're Jack underscore McMullen 11. That's what we got. <laughs> what else? What, anything, anything. Else? Um, merch, get your just baseball merch. Oh, my juice is over there. I was going to, I was going to pitch a juice, but nah, screw it. Nah. Um, all right. With that. Thank you, everybody.